0: Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. So as we start just now, why don't you open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. This is the beginning of about four months in Mark's Gospel. And the idea here is that Every week we're going to do one chapter. So today we start in chapter one, next week chapter two, the week after that chapter three and if you're good at counting four, five, six, you know where it goes. We're doing this through our life groups, our children's ministry as well and I want to encourage you during the week, have a look at it, camp in each chapter and ask Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ask Him to speak to you. Don't just wait to see what does your life group leader say? What does the preacher say? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? The whole chapter, this chapter one, honestly, I I didn't know where to go. I'm like, oh my goodness, where, where, where do I go? Where do I start? This is so amazing, so incredible. The Word of God is like that. Whether it be one word, one verse, one passage, one chapter, one book, it's an incredible thing that the Lord has given us in this Bible. And so I will encourage you, spend some time with Him and see what He says to you. A key verse that you're going to um, hear us refer to uh, as we go through Mark's Gospel is uh, found in Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. I just, I felt like I wanted a camp here just today, but then I felt a shift to move on. But I'm going to read this verse anyway, it says this... Um, Actually, verse 14 says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel. And this is what he said in verse 16. It says this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus says, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. The time is at hand. The time is now. The time is now. Right now, today. Maybe that's a word for you. The time is now. God's kingdom, it's closer than you realize, it's at hand, repent and believe, change the way that you think in such a way that it changes how you function and believe the gospel, believe the good news of the kingdom and then it goes on to say, passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Maybe that's a word for you. Jesus says, you follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That was another sermon I had, but I didn't feel to camp on that one. And immediately, there's a word, immediately, you'll see in Mark's gospel, at least 40 times that word immediately is used. Immediately, you'll see the immediacy. And as you read Mark's gospel, you will see it it, it sounds almost as though Jesus is very busy doing things. He's constantly on the move. That's what true faith looks like. It has fruit or evidence where things happen. And so you'll pick up on that. Immediately, they left their nets and followed Jesus. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And here's where I want us to camp today from verse 21. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority. Throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. My assignment this morning is to share around an idea godly authority and demonic activity. Godly authority and demonic activity. Can we pray? Father, we welcome your precious Holy Spirit to do and say as he wills as we get around the scriptures together we ask that you would continue to illuminate reveal jesus and his goodness to us that you might be glorified through us and all of god's people said amen wonderful i find this a really interesting passage God included this as one of the first ways where Jesus' authority was established in Mark's gospel. The first thing that we read about that establishes Jesus' authority publicly, we see this, is an encounter in a synagogue. Uh, and Mark, or John Mark more specifically, who was an offsider to Peter, the apostle, Constructs this book, his gospel, to establish the authority of Jesus as the Messiah, doing amazing signs and wonders. And you will see the authority is very important for us to understand, particularly as it pertains to demonic activity. You'll see that come up a little bit. I've been to Capernaum before, and the synagogue that was likely spoken of right here. And for those that don't know, a synagogue. Um, was a meeting place. Synagogue actually means to come together or meet together. And so synagogues were around about the place where the community, God's people, the Jewish people would come together and they would fellowship and there would be times that people would teach. They would teach from the Torah, they would bring teachings and scribes or teachers of religious law would come and they would preach and expound on what the Scriptures would say. They would however quote other people, what other people said, they would quote other versions and other opinions of what was said. When Jesus comes though, that's not how he rolls. He teaches a little bit differently. He doesn't need to quote other scribes, he doesn't need to quote other writers or other sayers, he comes in his own authority and speaks with such conviction and clarity. In fact, can I have the message version? I will use it. This is what Eugene Peterson says, he says, Then they entered Capernaum when the Sabbath arrived, Jesus lost no time in getting to the meeting place. He spent the day there teaching. They were surprised at his teaching, so forthright, so confident, not quibbling and quoting like the religion scholars. Suddenly, while still in the meeting place, he was interrupted by a man who was deeply disturbed and yelling out, What business do you have here with us, Jesus Nazarene? I know what you're up to. You're the Holy One of God and you've come to destroy us. Jesus shut him up. Quiet, get out of him. The afflicting spirit threw the man into spasms, protesting loudly and got out. Everyone there was incredulous, buzzing with curiosity. What's going on here? A new teaching that does what it says he shuts up defiling demonic spirits and sends them packing. News of this travelled fast and was soon all over Galilee. Isn't that a good way of putting it? Thanks, man. This is really interesting because... Uh, Jesus rocks up into Capernaum after having some disciples... He preaches with authority, and after the preaching of the Word, we see a manifestation. The points I'm going to make today are extraordinarily simple, but I feel to do so. The first point, if you're taking note, is write this. Jesus has full authority. Jesus has full authority. Say it with me. Jesus has full authority. Jesus has full authority. And I'll tell you what, we've got to make sure we understand that there is no name higher than the name of Jesus. Jesus rocks up into the world that he created, and you've got to understand, in many senses, it was Satan's domain. However, Jesus rocks up with authority, which means he has dominion, he has power over, he has the plans of the building. He knows how it looks, and he comes in and... Um, as he preaches, as he teaches the word, he, he preaches and teaches truth. You understand that. Truth, funnily enough, ha- tends to have that reaction. It's divisive. It disrupts and it disturbs. Have you ever spoken God's truth and you've noticed some negative repercussions? That's, that's what precedes this manifestation, this experience. Jesus has full authority and he demonstrates that authority. He has conviction. He has power. He's not just quoting someone else. He understands. It's talking about him. If, if you want to uh, see what Luke's gospel says, Luke talks about it in, in chapter 4 in his gospel, another parallel on the same story. Jesus preaches with authority. And I'll tell you what, it's not just Jesus that has authority. Let's continue. So do we. He has given you authority. He has given you authority to speak the truth. He has given you authority to see His kingdom come. And it's not our authority in and of ourselves. It's His authority in us. Check out Mark chapter 3 and verse 13 to 15 talking about Jesus, it says this, and he, in fact, you can circle or underline the word he or him in these couple of verses, and he, Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired and they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. And He might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Hello? He appointed the twelve. And then it goes on to mention the disciples. Jesus had authority and then He gave authority. Jesus had authority and then He gave authority. In Matthew chapter 28, it says, Jesus says, all authority has been given to Me, now you go. Go you not just them you you in fact let's go over to Mark chapter 16 the last chapter of Mark let's go let's go all right let's start off at verse 14 please afterward he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table and he, oh gee he does this a lot in Mark's gospel he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart <laughs> these are the disciples who, who saw all these miracles, who believed in Jesus, they, they, and they had hardness of heart. They had hardness of heart. Does that not mean that sometimes we can have hardness of heart? You better believe we can. I wonder if at times Jesus rebukes us for our hardness of heart or our unbelief. He's like, guys, are you serious? I've been with you this whole time. Do you not remember? Remember? What I did back... Have you not understood the bread? Do you not remember the manna? I was with you then. I'm with you now. Don't let your hearts be hardened. Let's read on. Because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Watch this. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not will be condemned and these signs will accompany those who believe not just the apostles all of those who believe which are which is us which is us who believes in Jesus here today I believe in Jesus that's 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 talking about me. Jesus is talking about me. A couple of thousand years ago, he's saying, okay, me, right. Whoever believes baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those that believe. In my name they will cast out demons. What? That's that's not me. That's just the exorcists, right? The people that are gift gifted with exorcisms. Well, amongst us collectively, what he's talking about collectively collectively we will see that happen collectively he goes on though in my name they'll cast out demons they will speak in new tongues they will pick up serpents with their hands and if they drink any deadly poison it won't hurt them they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover these are the sorts of things that follow people that believe why because when we believe god gives us authority you don't earn your authority In a sense, we have authority by virtue of the fact that we are created being. He has granted humanity with a sense of authority. But for those that believe, we have a new identity. And we have authority given to us not just because of creation, but because of relation. Because we are related to him. We are his kids. And we have an authority. Full authority. We have a dog called Violet. I didn't come up with the name. <laughs> I've got three daughters that, that had a team meeting and they came up with the name Violet. In fact, it's Violet Gabriela Fernandez, apparently. And as Esther, my nine-year-old, says, she says, no, Dad, it's Violetta Gabriela Fernandez. <laughs> oh, Jesus, take the wheel. Now, Violet's a pack. Violet is a dog, which is, <laughs> dogs are pack animals, right? They like to know where they are on the pecking order in the home. Who has a dog? You, you, you're picking up what I'm putting down right about now. Okay. So our youngest, Hope, who's six, at times has a bit of a tussle with Violet, right? Violet responds to me, no problem. Violet responds to Grace, yeah, pretty much. Esther, working that one out. But our youngest one, you know, Sometimes I think there's a bit of a power struggle that happens. <laughs> so, so Hope, bless her cotton socks, will sometimes say, Violet, sit. Violet's just there, wagging her tail. Violet, sit. She'll lick herself. She might walk, leave the room. That's Violet I'm talking about. Sometimes Violet will jump all over Hope. Get down, get down. And Violet doesn't give a rip half the time until Dad walks in the room. And when Violet sees me, she looks at hope, she behaves. Do you know who we have access to? You have a heavenly father who's got your back. Do you understand that? In Christ, in the spirit, you have the same authority as me and anyone else in this room. The question is, do you know that? Do you know that? At your. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That revelation of who you are and whose I am in you. God doesn't hear one person more than another because of their fanciful prayers or the title that they hold before their name. If you are a son or a daughter of God, you have the same unlimited access to anyone else. Sometimes I think we try to doll up and dress up our (laughs) lives of prayer or our platforms, God's like, I don't care about that. God cares about childlike faith. Sometimes it's the simplest prayers that are the best. (laughs) When I listen to my kids pray, they are so short and sweet and I reckon God is so close to that. My girls, man, they'll pray the shortest prayers. They're picking their nose and they're just talking to God like they don't care. They don't need to hold a microphone. God's like, I'm there. I'm with them. Simplicity of faith because they know their access. Do you know your access? Are you aware of your identity in Jesus? Because an awareness of your identity is closely linked to the demonstration of your authority. Jesus knew he had the authority. But do you? While he has full authority, so do we. In a similar way, a Michael Wanty, who's a police officer, believe it or not, congratulations on finally proposing to Kiara. Um, if he's on the side of the road and he tries in his, what he's wearing right now and he tries to pull someone over, They'll just laugh at him and keep walking or keep driving. But if he's got his police uniform on, it's going to be a very different response. Because that uniform represents the law. It represents something greater. When we pray, you must know in whose name you stand, and whose authority you stand. You must know that. When you're interacting with people, you must know in whose name and whose authority you stand. It's not your own, because ourselves, we, we hold no real authority. But God's children, well, that's a different ballgame. So Jesus has full authority. So do you. So do I. So do we. But notice something else, and it says this in verse 23 and 24. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, 23 and 24, I'm going to read. Immediately... There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit hey where where did this manifestation take place in the synagogue the meeting place where god's people were it wasn't just out there though that happened it was in i'll just i'll just move on i'll just (laughs) what have you to do with us Jesus of Nazareth. In fact, it's commonly understood that when he says, what have you got to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Or you would have read the message version that Jesus Nazarene. It was almost like a belittling comment, a belittling label. Nazareth, what good can come out of Nazareth? Though he was understood to have come from Bethlehem of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the holy one of God. So the demon knew that Jesus was God. But just because one knows that Jesus is God doesn't mean that they're saved or set free. So you can believe that Jesus is God, but not believe in Jesus as God. Is that is that you? <laughs> Because that was me once upon a time. I knew God from a distance, but I didn't know him personally. This is an important question we've got to ask because Paul also writes this to the church at Corinth. And he says, to a group of Christians, to a group, a collective, to all of them in this letter, he says, test and see that you are in the faith. Jesus demonstrates his authority. He has this reaction I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And uh, we see right there that as Jesus is demonstrating kingdom authority, Jesus triggers the demonic. Jesus triggered the demonic. And so will you. In your life, as you understand your authority in Christ... And as you start to move in that reality, you will see a response. You will see a reaction. It may not always be as obvious as that, but it'll happen. Jesus was confronted with spiritual opposition throughout his whole ministry. We'll see that. And so will we. Because we are participating in his life. And Jesus said, these things will happen. We're going to experience a lot of the things that he experienced. We've got, just got to be aware of it. We were talking before the service and Brett felt um, having eyes to see. This is from Mark chapter 8, verse 18, actually. And I wrote it down as he, as he was sharing it in prayer. It says, And having eyes to see and ears to hear, they didn't perceive, Lord, that we would perceive that we would perceive what's going on. It may not be like a, a man with an unclean spirit convulsing in the atmosphere where God's authority is coming and being experienced. It may not be as obvious as that. Maybe it's a little bit more subtle. Maybe it's an interaction at work. When they ask you, what are you doing this weekend? And you tell them, well, I've got a church service on Sunday. That opens the door to another conversation. You're not one of those Christians, are you? Oh, are you for real? One of those God-botherers? One of those? And then that opens up another conversation. Why do you believe that? And all of a sudden you feel an unction. You feel, you feel something just to, just to share with them. Ha, have you not heard about Jesus? And, as, and then what happens? How do people respond? You just never know. Anyone had any real, obvious, clear, demonic manifestations before? I was, we're in a church building and I was in a, a back office, I was called to see, and there was a, there was a guy and he started growling at me. When I walked into the room, like, oh God, give me, a, give me a break. I started, I we're going to pray. And uh, I started praying and he, he got even worse. And I said, I've had enough of this. And I literally said, that's enough. The demonic do like to grandstand, that I'll tell you. Have you noticed demons and demonic oppressive spirits, they come in very quietly, but I tell you what, they like to make a lot of noise when they're confronted. That's what's happening here. And Jesus says, ah, zip it, be silent. I was in uh, our home, in our lounge room one time, we just had a few people praying and there was a young guy who was a teenager, he started legitimately scribbling hard with a black marker on on his book and cutting a hole as he's writing. I'm like, oh Jesus, what's this? This is crazy. Start talking to him, and he then starts making these weird noises. I was with some other youngsters, young people, and they didn't know what to do, so I had to pull them into the other room, and then we prayed together and he was free. That's not going to happen every day. But those things do happen. Jesus encountered the demonic and so will we. In 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 it says this, 2nd Corinthians chapter 10, are you still with me? Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, We are not waging war according to the flesh. In fact, the New Living Translation says, though we are humans, we do not fight like humans do. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Every day, we come across people and situations where there's a battle going on. It's a battle. Lord, would you grant us your eyes as we walk in the Spirit to really get a gauge on what's happening? And whilst I feel the need to argue with you at this level, the battle is up at this level. That we would have eyes to see... And ears to hear, and this is not just can I say limited to Christians? My goodness, there are so many people that don't know Jesus, and they don't know what they're up against. But God has brought us as the ones that have full authority to bring liberation. We got a call a number of years ago um, uh, from someone in the community, and uh, they wanted to come to our house, just here in Booker I think it was. And I brought Josie with me. I didn't know the lady. And she says, I'm having weird stuff happen in my house. I'm like, oh, here we go. We don't do the holy water thing, right? We, don't, we just go and we pray. We take Jesus with us. Remember the, remember the time we went went to the lady's house and as we're walking, I'm like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm not a ghostbuster, but I've got your spirit, right? She so says, we're going in the room. Like, okay, what's going on here? And all of a sudden, I've got a word of knowledge. Something happened here in the lounge room. And I said, hey, what happened over here? And I pointed to a place. She goes, oh... We once did a Ouija board over there. Oh, okay. There's a door that's been opened right there. (laughs) Walked around the house, went around from... What happened in this room? Oh, me and my partner, we got very angry and violent. Like, oh, and what happened over here, right over there in this other bedroom? Oh, a number of years ago, I actually... I talked to the devil over there. And I'm thinking, I don't know how... I don't know how deep those conversations were, how long they were. I don't care. All that I know is that the Holy Spirit revealed something and He did it for a reason. So in that moment, we just prayed for the house. We just prayed for the family. There are people out there every day that are struggling, that are hurting, that are lost and they need who we have. And if we cover who we have with a bushel... If we cover and we hide because we're afraid and we're ashamed, if we try and keep it just to a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, people are not going to experience the fullness and the richness for which Jesus has come. He has come to bring freedom and liberty. How does he do it? Through you, through me. You have him. He lives in you. Let your light shine. Here's the final point here, verse 25. I love how, watch how Jesus handles this guy. Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. The man in the Gog, with an unclean spirit, was declaring, because the demonic knew, the people didn't yet know, but the demonic knew of the authority of Jesus, take note of that, and he declared, we know who you are, we know who you are, keep in mind that the demonic or the spiritual reality is even more real than the natural that we see. And the demonic knew, but it says, you are the Holy One of God. Did Jesus need a PR campaign for him at that point? Because even the demons were declaring that he was the Holy One of God. Doesn't it even say... um, James two, nineteen, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Even the demons know. Jesus, however, didn't need the demonic to tell everyone to act as his marketing guru, telling he's the Holy like, Hey, Shush, shut up. That's enough. <laughs> Out you go. So what do we take from that very simply jesus didn't dance with demons and neither should we in your life when god gives you insight into what's happening the spiritual oppression perhaps you're faced with right now how will you engage jesus didn't sit there and do kumbaya with the guy Just straight away, he dealt with it. I feel at stages of my life, what I do without knowing it is I'm actually dancing and entertaining. An unsavoury situation with a spiritual opposition. Where Jesus says, I have given you authority to deal with it. And I might confuse sometimes, I'm just being patient and... uh, Don't be patient... With the enemy be fierce yeah, good. Good. love people be compassionate with people be patient with people be kind with people but you don't muck around with the enemy because he is out to kill steal and destroy the bible says that satan is like a roaring lion seeking out whom he may devour He knows your moves. You know that. He's been watching and observing. He's looking for your vulnerabilities, your Achilles. He's looking for what your weak spots are. So why dance with that? Why play with that? Why muck around with that? Ephesians 6 verse 10. Can I please have the musos come up? We're going to go on a communion soon. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul writes... finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of your own might in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we don't wrestle against flesh blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, therefore take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand, there's that word again and verse 14 says, stand, doesn't it? Stand therefore. As you explore Mark's gospel, as we all do this together, you'll see Jesus wasn't a demon hunter. He just went about demonstrating kingdom authority, bringing freedom. But as he did that, the demonic came. As you go about God's business, you will see spiritual oppression. You don't need to go looking for it. Don't pursue the devil, pursue Jesus and the devil will be disturbed. And when he does try to disrupt and disturb a meeting in the synagogue or your home or your place of work, don't be sidetracked. Deal with it in Jesus' name. Know the authority you have in him. Just like in Acts chapter 16 before Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. Remember that story? They were thrown into prison. Remember why they were thrown into prison? They were on their way, it says in chapter 16, for prayer. And on on their way there doing God's work, this demonically afflicted woman, this slave girl came and is harassing them. And it says they were just bothered. They were annoyed. All of a sudden, Paul says, boom, get out. Got him into trouble, got them in a the hot water. But I tell you what, God used it for good. As they were thrown into the prison, the deep, dark depths of that prison, a miracle happened from that point. God uses all things together for good that love him and that are called according to his purpose. My friends, let's be aware of the world that we're living in. The greater reality is not, we see, not what we see with our physical eyes but what we can see with our spiritual eyes. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear. May we just perceive what is real. We're going to finish with communion. Can we just hand out the cups, please? I understand for those that are streaming in from home as well. If you want, grab yourself a cracker or bread or, or water or juice. And We're going to finish with this verse. Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I want to read verse 13 to 15 of Colossians 2, keeping in mind what we've just discussed. When we have communion, we are participating, we are remembering, we are proclaiming that what Jesus did on that cross was so significant. It was an act that echoes through eternity. Can I have some communion as well, please? This is what it says in verse 13. Thank you. It says this, Paul writes, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. Verse 15. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Think about that for a second. Think about how cool that is. In this way, Jesus Christ, in the way of the cross, Jesus Christ disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. In a sense, what that means is the enemy has no weapons anymore that can do any harm to you, can do damage to you. He's been disarmed. He's, he's just barking at you. He's trying to intimidate you. He's trying to belittle you. He's trying to distract you. That's what he's trying to do. The enemy really has no weapons. He can't. No weapon formed against us can prosper. We must stand in that reality. The power that the enemy has in our lives is that power which we give him. Don't give it to him. Don't give it to him. We're going to have communion as we do this together. The team is going to lead us in a song. I want us to consider what Jesus has done for us on the cross and us pledge allegiance in our hearts to the authority, the kingship, the dominion of Jesus in our hearts. To do it again. To re-consecrate, to re-dedicate, to re-proclaim. Again, declare of His authority in our lives. Are you ready to do that together? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we consider the cross and we consider what was done, what was achieved, what was accomplished for us a couple of thousand years ago, but it is so real to us today, the same way that it was real back then. Lord, we consider you and Lord, thank you. When you're ready, just take that bread, would you? is the biscuit or the wafer and just consider his body that was broken for us Lord Jesus we thank you so much we experience your authority we minister your freedom because of what you did for us thank you for the broken body On that cross. And when you're ready, you just eat that together. Thank you. We also take the juice and we remember. blood that was lost, that was spilled, that was shed for us, which is a representation of the new covenant. The life that was lost for him, we find in him. He lost, he gave up his life, but we find it in him. Death couldn't hold him down. Father, we thank you for the cup which represents the covenant of grace that we have. And Lord, open the eyes of our hearts to see you and to see the kingdom reality more every day. In Jesus' name. When you're ready, you just drink. Thank you, Lord. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website, at gracelife.com.au